0: Welcome everyone to the NFL week five edition of the Sunday Night Tilt. We have an old friend Corey Larson, clars 24 on Twitter subbing for Judah tonight. One of the things that Judah and I talked about on our week five market outlook was we had very low conviction this week, we didn't really feel strongly about any specific matchups. It was very hard, not just to find five picks for Circa, but to find one or two picks that we really liked. And it came through in performance. This was definitely our worst week season to date. We went one, three, and one. After I found out that the Chargers were minus two in Circa, I was even more on tilt. All day I was under the impression that they were minus one and a half. So the fact that they won by two, I was like so excited that we got it out just by a sliver. And then we had Bucks, which I was excited about for most of the day. Oh, this is at least one pick we don't have to sweat. And then had to sweat it in the end and ended up not covering. And then our only non-sweat was the Bills. At minus 14, they just smoked the Steelers. And then the Jags wasn't competitive, really. Not at least covering that seven. And then we tried to be a little bit contrarian on Lions. Way too cute, way too cute. And I got my face ripped off live betting the Lions as well. Pretty much lost every single bet that I tried to make anticipating some sort of comeback or even to score any points. How about you Corey, how did you do, are you on tilt or did things work out the way you expected them
1: to? I'm in agreement with you that this was definitely going into the week. I just didn't have much I liked in terms of the contest. The Buccaneers, I think at eight and a half was the only one that I was Like I truly like this side and would put money on it at that number. So I was with you on the Bucks and then I also was on the Lions, which same kind of thoughts on that. A pure numbers in that game for me, I was making it a lot closer to a pick. And obviously there's a lot of different matchup advantages you got to look at too. And then outside of that, I was on the Vikings. I felt good about that one early. I did take the seven and a half there and- It was seven and a half in the contest, right? Yep, yep. I had bet that at six and six and a half. So that felt good to get the seven. And then I had the Jets and lucked on some concussion luck there. And then I think the last side I took is the Bengals currently, which I don't think is looking too good right now. So I'm looking at a one and four week right now after I've been four and one or three and two every single week so far. So definitely my worst week in terms of sides.
0: Yeah. And likewise, yeah, we were, we were four and one to start the season. i have been mean, three and two every week since, just anecdotally thinking, I've never really lucked out Where I have no feel for this week. I make the picks and wow, I ended up going four and one. Wow, crazy, or three and two. And it would be curious to experiment when you're going into those weeks where you definitively have very little conviction if you just faded yourself. One of the reasons why I liked the Bucks, it ultimately wasn't gonna make our top five, in fact, but one of the reasons why I did slide it in was because I had a very high belief that it was gonna be a top five consensus play. And so I just wanted to slide it in for that fact alone. So let's just ride with the market. So this is gonna be a week where we don't think we're necessarily gonna do very well. So let's just ride the market then. So we're not gonna gain a lot. We're not gonna lose a lot. It's not gonna be an alpha week, but at least we're not gonna lose ground. So that worked but for that purpose, And then also, I guess I'm a little bit even more on tilt because I think I took the Cardinals out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Midweek, we liked the Cardinals. In fact, it was our cover play for the week. And that one falls on me. One of the things I wanted to pull up here too was you're talking about how you think some scores don't necessarily feel like that was the case. And I haven't QC'd this at all. I literally just ran it now, but this is week five. Our drive quality scoreboard, which is looking at the quality of drives and assigning them earned points. and It's not necessarily always going to be a true state of reality, but it can give us a little bit closer to really how competitive some of these matchups really were. And in this, we have the Bucks squeaking it out by eight, so a little bit more, but maybe still otherwise didn't necessarily deserve the cover. You get the Patriots Lions. We had at least the Lions earned a legitimate five points <laughs> in our perspective. Patriots 18, so still definitively beat the Lions. Jags lost, we have, so that was consistent. We have Browns beating the Chargers. Jets smoking the Dolphins. Giants definitively beating the Packers. Bills even more so beating the Steelers. 50 to five Seahawks closer than the final score actually would have ended up covering it about a field goal closer and then Titans Washington pretty close to what the final score was anything else you want to highlight from
1: this week. I think the one game that really sticks out to me which I'm not sure how the market's going to totally take it is the Cowboys Rams. I think that game is a much better representation of how bad the Rams are than how good the Cowboys are. I think some people might look at that and really start upgrading the Cowboys. I think they do deserve some respect, but again, you look at really what Cooper Rush did in that game and just, he did not do a lot there. I've been low on the Rams and I think this is just further proof that this Rams team just isn't an elite team. I know a lot of people still were considering Rams a fringe top five team, even going into this week, I believe, and for sure going into the week versus the Niners, but I think that's slowly starting to really show through. And I think the takeaway from this is just really how bad the Rams are and not necessarily that the Cowboys are a good team.
0: I think that's a good call out. Cooper rushed 10 of 16 for a hundred yards, also <laughs> a stack three times. Pollard and Elliott both eight on the ground. They had the defensive score. The one thing that annoys me about both the Rams-Cowboys matchup and the Niners-Panthers game. <sighs> the consensus narrative handicap for those games just played out to perfection. That the Cowboys pressure was going to really disrupt the Rams offense. And pretty much that was the reason. Micah Parsons is gonna just destroy Matt Stafford and this Rams offense isn't already clicking and their offensive line is just extremely vulnerable. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Cowboys was a top five consensus pick in Circa. Same thing with the Niners and Panthers. I think one of the things a lot of people were trotting out was like the Niners had one of the best defenses, Panthers had one of the worst offenses from like an EPA perspective. And it just played out to perfection. And it wasn't anything that I wanted to necessarily try to fade, but I feel like it was just priced probably more so into the line than even it was worth. But it just played that storyline perfectly. And then when I'm looking at it, Bucks and Falcons, and Bucks are up 21 zip, in control of that game. And then over the last 20 minutes of gameplay, the Bucks just didn't do anything. How are you seeing the Bucks right now?
1: I really have made no change to the Bucks in my power ratings the last couple of weeks. I just haven't seen any sort of thing that's making me want to upgrade them, but not necessarily downgrade them either. I'm still definitely lower on the Bucks than I think the market is. That's not to say they're still a top six team in my power ratings. Like you said, it is a tale of two halves. They're just, they're a very complete team, but at the same time, there's nothing there that's showing me that they're an impressive team. I don't see them having the ceiling as some of the other top teams like the Bills and Chiefs and maybe even the Packers as well. Brady threw the ball.
0: 52 times, there was a lot of criticism about why the Bucks' offense hasn't been as explosive as you would expect it to be. One, they've been dealing with injuries, but also that they've been running the ball more so than justified. But Brady threw the ball 52 times in 350 yards through just one touchdown. And they only put up that 21 points and again, went scoreless over the last 20 minutes of the game. And so I'm just wondering if maybe the Bucks are a team that you can bet confidently with a big spread. Falcons is one of the worst defenses in the league and uh, a capable offense. But as we know, we're missing Patterson, we're missing Pitts, so we're more exploitable. And it just didn't come to fruition though. It seems like the Bucs relaxed in the end. And I don't know, I'm very cautious betting the Bucs after this, because I feel like even when it was 21-0, should have been 35-0.
1: Yeah, especially versus Falcons team. And this defense is a bottom five defense. This Buccaneers offense, it's clunky. And I think the only reason where I'm not holding where I'm at on the Buccaneers is I think the defense is still very good. It'll have its spots where they get exposed, but I think when you're playing some of these like lesser teams that don't really have a quarterback that can maybe create as much on his own, they're a defense that can definitely contain some of these bottom end quarterbacks and control the game in that manner. How are you looking at the Lions? coming
0: into this game. I know you ended up picking the Lions. This is one of the highest scoring offenses season to date, put up zero points This as their first game outdoors. One of the things we talked about on our Market Outlook podcast, they had been playing indoors through the first four weeks, still dealing with some injuries, but they been dealing with injuries all season and still nonetheless have been able to keep putting that firepower together on offense. They were able to move the ball, like we talked about in 29-0, not necessarily reflective of how this game played out, but the Patriots still meaningfully beat them in this game. And the Patriots also justifiably covered that three, three and a half.
1: I wasn't too quick to react to some of the Lions' early week performances. Some people, I think, were even trying to, like, we're putting them in the same stage as the Jaguars, and I just don't think that's the case at all. I think they're several steps behind there. The defense is just way worse, but the offense was performing. And if you look at some different statistical stuff, it was looking good. But I think my biggest takeaway in that game is on the Patriots side, we know how well oiled the fundamentals of that offense. And a big takeaway here is that the market's gonna upgrade the Patriots from this, right? Then when Mac Jones comes back, they're gonna make another further Upgrade. Now the issue I have with the like double upgrade, maybe in a sense, is the market probably downgraded from Mac Jones to Zappy a little bit too much. So I think we might overcompensate coming back, and there will be some value playing against the Patriots when we see Mac Jones return. Again, Zappy didn't do a whole lot in this game. He was he very well he did what the Patriots wanted him to do, I guess, in a sense, is just manage the game. And at the end of the day, Mac Jones, he's just a little bit better manager in the end. That's my takeaway.
0: Yeah, this was another game that there's this broader narrative consensus handicap that just (laughs) played out here, which was the Patriots are going to run the ball down the Lions throats. We also know the Lions have one of the worst defenses in the NFL as well, if not the worst defense in the NFL. And that despite playing a rookie quarterback, that Belichick's not going to put him in very bad situations to make the Patriots any more vulnerable than they might otherwise be. And they're just gonna lean on the run game. That's exactly what happened. Zappi threw the ball 21 times. He was very serviceable, 17 of 21, for almost 200 yards, didn't take any sacks. He had just one pick, which all didn't stifle the flow of the offense or disrupt the outcome of the game. And then ran the ball 35 times for Almost 175 yards, just played out at standard handicap, which is just frustrating. Another surprising final score is this Texans. Jags only putting up six points, scored zero points in the second half. It's not like the Texans necessarily looked good, and the Jaguars just kept shooting themselves in the foot. What we've seen the last two weeks now is some of this youthfulness, the immaturity from the broader team, from Trevor Lawrence specifically making some mistakes that are really compromising the outcomes because the Jaguars are clearly a better team than the Texans. We picked the Jags at minus seven, probably at this point in time, it's just too early to be betting them at such a big number. Even versus a team like the Texans who have been prone to just hang around in games just enough to cover numbers and in this case they win outright i know you're hot on the jags from a season-long perspective which that still seems like at two and three at this point they're definitely ahead of schedule and they definitely look very strong to exceed that six and a half season win total potentially still even win the division but anything from
1: this for you the texans are a very vanilla team they're relying on the other team to quit the sloppy game they're going to be fairly conservative and I'm drawing back on the Jags just slightly. I'm not going to react to this game too much. You look at what the Jags have put forth these first five weeks, and right now have them pretty much as an average team. What would you say about that? I want to say they're a little bit
0: better than average still. I think really what the takeaway is, like some teams came back down to earth today, and we mentioned it at times throughout the season, is that there really isn't any really bad teams. And there's a lot of teams are just piling up in the middle and that there isn't really great separation from the 10th ranked team, wherever that would be, maybe even the eighth ranked team to basically the 30th ranked, maybe even all the way down to 32. Is there's very few points that kind of separate these teams on a neutral field.
1: I agree with that. And one thing I've really noticed, i play a lot of in-season win futures And you look at some of the bottom typical like bottom dwellers those teams that just started maybe projected three, four, five, six wins at the start of the season. A lot of those projections are staying pretty similar to what they were at the start of the season. And I run some different sims and different things like that to calculate their updated projected wins based on some of my numbers. And I'm noticing a lot of value on those teams at the bottom. And I'm noticing a lot of value coming back on some of those teams at the top because there's just not a lot of difference from the top to the bottom. And just the uncertainty is very exciting. And the books aren't maybe pricing that entirely correctly yet. I'm sure you would agree
0: the Bills look like probably the best team still. I feel like the Bills and Chiefs are in their own tier. And then
1: who's the worst team right now? Is it the Panthers? Uh, who do you think Negative so? Maybe the Bears? I'm between the Bears and even the Steelers at this point. They're Bears, Steelers, Texans. Those would be my bottom three currently. I'm not downgrading the Steelers nearly as much. Like
0: the Bills destroy teams and the Steelers didn't look good today. But when you're playing the Bills, if you get demolished, it's just chalk it up to the game. That's just what happens. But the Panthers are starting off one and four and they haven't necessarily looked good doing it. They're going to start making like some transition moves here. I could potentially even be more disruptive. I don't think all of the Panthers troubles are necessarily falling on to Baker Mayfield, but he might suffer the consequences for the one and four. And By going to to Sam Darnold, it's not going to make them any better. It might make him worse.
1: We might see PJ Walker this weekend. And then I'll just close on
0: week five, the Packers. There's just there's something wrong in there and you've been seeing it in every game all season but I feel like the market really hasn't ever properly adjusted their prices and to be an eight point favorite on a neutral field overseas versus banged up Giants team and it certainly hasn't looked very polished themselves. But that's a big number for a team that's dealing with some internal decongestion. And Rogers sailing balls. He obviously doesn't have the same chemistry with the wide receivers, but that's not just it. There's just not the same talent at wide receiver. It's just within the offense. just broadly. How are you seeing the Packers? I have
1: them right around the Bucks and the Ravens right now. So pretty high. I do have them pretty high still. Yes. I'm holding on to some of my priors. Just the ceiling that I have for the defense. It just hasn't come together yet. And
0: that's something that everyone's been talking
1: about and every week it just doesn't show up. Yeah, I'm slowly drifting further and further, but I knew the offense is gonna take time. That's no surprise to anyone. I'm still trying to figure out what I think on the Giants as well. I came into the season with some overs on them, grew a little colder as the season got closer. At this point now, seeing that four and one, and I think they've shown that they're a competitive football team and they, just can't be taken as a joke. Like I think some of those other teams towards the bottom, I think they're definitely in a different tier from those bottom five, bottom seven teams. And they're not even healthy. Yeah, some so ugly sneaker. Healthier. healthier. Yeah.
0: Man, I don't know if they. I want to say they can, can they sneak into the playoffs, but yeah, four and one, they're definitely on the right start. And their win total was like six, six and a seven. half. Yeah. yeah. That seems like slam dunk now. Alrighty, let's try to put the disgusting week five behind us. Forget it. Any, any thoughts on the Chiefs Raiders tomorrow?
1: I made the number seven. If I had to take a side in it, I'll take the Chiefs but I have no action on the game. What about you? No, yeah, I feel similarly as well. We've been low on the Raiders. But
0: even I'll admit, they're better than a one in three record would suggest. And I know they got smoked in back to back games last year. But the season prior, the Raiders beat the Chiefs almost twice. So A full touchdown, getting Pro back. A team that struggles with depth, I think that's definitely gonna help. But let's go into week six. I know you've already started betting some of these openers. So definitely curious to hear some of your thoughts on that and what you've been leaning into thus far and if some of those prices have been changing. I haven't looked at anything yet. So you're way ahead of me. Let's start with the Thursday night Showdown, (laughs) Washington and the Bears. It's currently at pick. I was talking about on our live stream when we are live betting today that I wonder if this would be Carson Wentz's last game as a starter, but given that it's a Thursday game, i probably take that back. I don't know if it makes sense to start a rookie quarterback, Sam Howard, or whoever they might go with on a short week. But do you think that they will bench him sooner rather than later? Or do you think that this is just a dysfunctional team it's not really just Carson Wentz's fault?
1: I think it's a dysfunctional team, but Carson Wentz is contributing to that for sure. Seems like it might be a little early just with his first year there. At this point, their season, it's considerably done already, right? They're looking at one and four, everyone else in the division, four and one, four and one, five and oh. There's not much hope at all there. So I could see the point too. Hey, it's time, maybe just call it quits, but I don't know. I think they stick it out with him for a couple more weeks. He almost threw a pick on the prior play that he ended up throwing the
0: pick on, and that's he himself losing that game. And he's already obviously struggled over the course of the season, taking way too many sacks. Doesn't really matter how bad the offensive line is. The dude constantly puts himself in compromising positions. He's done it his whole career and he's doing it again. And they have talent. That's the thing is they have talent on that team.
1: That could definitely be fair. Just looking at what they threw out there last year at quarterback, I mean, they've never really had yeah, a quarterback. Exactly. Yes. Uh, very similar roster probably even a better roster this year it is strange the Washington is one of the teams I've made the strongest downgrades from week one when it comes to a team without any major injury and it's been ugly like you said Uh, how are you thinking about this one pick
0: I don't have a or is this just bad team versus bad team (laughs) on Thursday night and this is just like this is a landmine any professional better should not be leaning into
1: yeah no I I haven't for dgens only I haven't touched this game if I could tease one of these teams maybe above seven I would maybe consider that with a total of 39 40 we're looking at like a preseason total like it's trending that way but with the total that low you can tease one of those spreads about seven i'd maybe look at that i make it chicago minus one nothing i'm going to play off of that when i did first see the number come out at 39 and a half on the total i had a slight kind of wanting to take the over fields i think he's going to be a guy who can score points later in games just with his mobility i think they're a team that's gonna up points in the second half a lot of times and i think this washington offense although wentz has looked bad i think they're very capable of putting up 23 26 28 points against this bears defense especially Mm -hmm. if jalen johnson is still out i had a slight look at the over but i need to make sure that there's no funky weather in chicago i would say i probably lean the bears here one i was just
0: looking at like the run pass splits and we know over the first course of the season they weren't letting justin fields really throw the ball and the last two weeks especially later in the games. Seems like they've been letting fields throw the ball more and deeper. Threw the ball 21 times, ran the ball 24 times, so still tilted towards running the ball, but certainly not as dramatic as it was through the first couple weeks of the season. And South will certainly play to their benefit. And the Bears have always been sneaky. They've been bad, but just sneaky. And I probably, slightly lean the Bears here. Jags at the Colts. Jags plus one and a half. I would strongly lean the Jags.
1: I'm with you. I was looking at this game last week on the look ahead and was even considering potentially throwing it in some sort of teaser. Just how bad Matt Ryan's looked and just that Colts offense. What's that ceiling of that offense? It's pretty ugly and so what I looked at in this game that I've already played, I played the under 43 and a half. That's already dropped though, to 41, 41 and a half. But I think that it still could be actionable at that 41 and a half. I think the Jags defense and Colts, I think that the defenses of both teams are probably maybe the stronger parts. And when you just, it's more of a fate of Matt Ryan than anything. These are two teams that I think will play a pretty low scoring game.
0: And we also know Shaq Leonard is a key cog of that defense, the quarterback of the defense. If he's out again, I don't know how many weeks he's out now, but that would be meaningful. Whether Jonathan Taylor's in or out is irrelevant to me. I think this could definitely be a, I want to say buy low on the Jags, but they're still only plus one and a half. What was the preseason line on this? Probably at least
1: three and a half, maybe even eight. Oh, I think it's way, way higher than that. Here, I could pull it up here in a second, but I know the look ahead even, just to put that in perspective, was two and a half. And we see Mm -hmm. the Jags go loose outright, and we see the Colts, Win outright as dogs, and you see this line drop. So it was probably a bad look ahead in the first place. So that's probably part of it. The Colts
0: lost in, or won <laughs> in miserable fashion in front of a primetime audience, too. So that's going to weigh on the Colts a lot more so than even the Jags losing straight up to one of the worst teams in the league.
1: Preseason, the Colts were minus seven in this game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it would have been bigger because the Delta on these two teams because the Colts are much worse in the preseason. Yeah, yeah.
1: and the Jags are, are definitely better than preseason expectations.
0: And so has this line moved, you know, already,
1: from the opener? It was like a one and a half of two, yeah. Okay, it, it was gotcha. a so good. it's still stuck.
0: I think, I'm sure people aren't very excited to bet the Jags now after losing back-to-back games and certainly losing versus the Texans at home. Also, Jags is the number one survivor pick. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Did you yeah. sneak past that?
1: I did sneak past it, yeah partially we had three entries left and we did throw one on the Jags, knowing we don't want to give all those entries taking that play like some edge so we were willing to throw one of them on the Jags, and then we took the niners and the saints which were both under five percent so we were pretty happy with getting those two through nice congratulations to you man
0: how different this survivor season is compared to last year back when it was week eight week nine and more than like 50 60 percent of the pool was still alive with all those heavy favorites just constantly winning week in, week out, week in, week out. And now the number one pick's lost like, what, three times already or something like that? Just the first five weeks, lots of volatility. Do you know what the pool's down to now? Somewhere in the 600s, so 10%
1: (laughs) left, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful.
0: And for anyone who doesn't know, Corey already won the Circa Survivor two years ago. So go for two out of three years
1: would sure be nice.
0: Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> All right, Jets at the Packers. Jets plus seven and a half. Packers still being priced as a top five times top 16. A minus seven and a half plus 100 right now. This one's in Lambeau. I don't know if the Jets necessarily looked great despite scoring 40 on Miami. The whole game script changed with Teddy Bridgewater getting knocked out and Skylar Thompson playing at quarterback. The game was competitive through almost three
1: quarters. Of
0: that game any strong
1: views on this one i think there's gonna be points in this game like we've been saying that packers defense still hasn't figured exactly everything out i think the packers at home they'll be able to put up points on this Jets secondary and it's a pretty strong bounce back spot for the packers as well and i think this jets team in general is i think underrated um i've been higher on market than them i was where my plus three and a half play? I played him plus six on the look at even this last week versus Miami before two O went out. I was willing to play into that. It's not as much Zach Wilson as it is just the roster. I think it's better than a lot of people realize. I think a lot of people want to throw this Jets team as well and as like a bottom three team, bottom five. And I don't think oh, it's okay. I don't think it's that at all. So oh. well, I think they're going to be a competitive team. Yeah, I think they'll be able to put some points up on the board here just with the volatility of Wilson. I think it's a guy I want to maybe take overs in. Yeah, even with Flacco, they were in a bottom three team.
0: And then certainly with Zach Wilson opens up the offense much more. I totally agree with you. I think the Jets are probably still being missed price. Dan makes a good point too. The Packers can't put away bad teams. They struggled really to put the Bears away as well. Even earlier in the season, Bears were up 7-zip. Fields got stuffed on the one yard line. If he makes that, the Packers don't even cover that. Coming back from, the Lon- from London, Jets got weapons, man. I'm definitely not betting the Packers minus 7.5, that's for sure. Niners at the Falcons. Niners minus six on the road. Total very low, 42. Falcons now 5-0. ATS, that was another reason why I felt a little bit comfortable betting the Bucs. First of all, I wanted the consensus play. Let's get the consensus play in there because we have low conviction. But also, are the Falcons going to start off the season 5-0? and 0? The markets misprice them that dramatically. We were pretty high on the Falcons coming into the season. And we've definitely capitalized on some of those ATS victories. But now we've gotten caught on the other side of it. Back to back weeks in a row because we bet the Browns last week, and they clearly should have won that game. Our drive quality talks about how they should have won that game, but again, they hang around. They have a good enough offense to certainly get back doors. They did it versus the Rams, and now they did it versus the Bucks. Can they do it versus the Niners, or can they win?
1: This is a game I actually took a side in the total in right off the bat. I got a four and a half on the Niners, and then I got the over forty one. As well in that game i think the falcons like i was saying earlier the falcons defense isn't anything special as well, the thing that's really drove in the upgrade is mariota and that offensive play play calling and scheme yes. uh, so I, I think the niners are gonna be able to score I, I thought the bucks were gonna be able to score at will today and they didn't necessarily do that but i have the same outlook for the niners offense this week and at the same time i think the niners got banged up today defensively i think they lost ward think they lost bosa and then on the other side of the ball i think that the falcons mariota he's i think he's a lot better than people were giving him credit i know you guys were high on mariota or just in general that falcons offense and just the overs and this is just being priced as the worst team in the entire league and it's far from that at this point they're
0: being priced at four and a half wins that's just
1: that was dumb And the crazy thing is I got some over four. I think it was after week one or week two. And they started the year 0-1. Or was it maybe 0-2, 1-1, and whichever it was. And they dropped the win total a little bit because they're like, okay, this team's lost a game, which I understand some of that too. But I'm surprised that the market didn't see like right away maybe necessarily how off they were maybe on the Falcons. And their win total going into this past week, I saw even as high as six and a half.
0: I don't know if I could be betting against the Falcons, especially at the plus six. That's the perfect backdoor type of number. And the niners ended up scoring a lot of points today but i don't know if that's necessarily going to be their mo so i'm definitely not going to be betting the niners
1: at six i think it still might go up a little further i would not be surprised if it maybe got to a seven this week i'm not saying i think it should but i think it might and darnell points out yeah
0: patterson on ir so he definitely won't be playing but i think pitts will probably be back but they're not (laughs) utilizing him the way that I think a lot of people would be hoping especially fantasy market guys but th- the other point is, is those Niners injuries starting to pile up so they're all their offensive line has already been banged up i don't know if the Falcons are necessarily going to be the type of team to necessarily take advantage of that but that seems like a lot of points on the road it was, this is basically what the Niners are priced at this week versus the Panthers who are a much worse team than the Falcons for me at this price especially because the seven you're talking about it's Falcons or stay away from me. Bucks minus eight at Pitt. You think that this has to be the Bucks, but I, every single thing that I just talked about in the Bucks is still true. As bad as the Steelers have
1: been, I lean with the Bucks, and some of that maybe is just holding on to the Bucks of the past, Brady, and maybe to the team of the last year or two. It's hard to, I think, bet on the Steelers right now. Everything comes with a number, but yeah, at that. I don't have a whole lot of thought in this game. I would maybe look towards an under. I did play the 44 and a half under, but I think that's dropped a little bit. Now. Yeah, but yeah, the Bucks are. I think the defense is still very solid and still a top three, top five defense, no doubt. And I think they'll easily be able to contain this Pittsburgh offense. The thing is I'm just not super confident in the Tampa Bay offense to necessarily keep gain and keep margin like we saw today even. But we know when Tom Brady and the Bucks play with the lead, it slows down a lot and the game just gets really vanilla in the second half. And that's why I, I guess would like to look at the under in that game. Yeah. I think I read TJ
0: Watt had a step back in his recovery. Cause I know he was scheduled to come back in the week six time range, but it doesn't look like that's gonna happen. Something to monitor. If I knew Pittsburgh could get pressure, disrupt a little bit of Brady's timing, then I would like, I would feel comfortable taking Pitt at the plus eight here, especially in Pittsburgh, still an opportunistic defense. And I don't think there's really a lot to take away necessarily from Pitt getting struck by the Bills. And yeah, it's hard to evaluate Pickett, of course, but yeah, this is definitely a tough one. Panthers plus nine on the road versus LA Rams. Man, the Panthers do not look good, but neither do the Rams seems like a lot of points i'm not betting the rams minus nine
1: even if it was pj walker i've not seen. but
0: even if it's pj walker
1: yeah i'm in the same boat i know the market would push up past that nine you'd probably get it to even 11 i think if we saw pj walker i think the market's already pushed this up i saw bookmaker pull it off the board i'm not sure if it's back up but because mayfield was seen in a boot so i think there's mm-hmm. some talk that who knows at this point the writing might be on the wall for that team as well yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, these are two teams I want to bet against. There's a 10 out there, I think. Circa laid a 10 on the Rams. Gotcha, and so it's like the more influential money is already leaning into the Rams. Yes, and I think maybe that's a lot of the injury, but like you were saying, this Rams offense, is it's not looking good at all. So I it's I don't know how you could lay a 10 with the Rams right now. I would lean towards the Panthers, even at that. Yeah,
0: and again, and PJ Walker as bad as quarterbacks are. It's very hard to necessarily bet against them in a standalone spot. PJ Walker came in last year and destroyed the Cardinals. It's not necessarily he himself put in a great performance, but he ended up being the Cardinals, by I don't know, 20 or 30 points last year. And it's not like the Panthers defense is there, has been their weakness per se. That's why it's just so frustrating the Panthers are so poorly coached because I feel like there's talent on this team as well. And it's just not properly being taken advantage
1: of it feels like a lot like washington i don't know who you would consider the better team right now but you th- throw those two teams on the field and they look like you're staring into a mirror on both sides yeah. of the ball
0: i would say I, th- I probably think the panthers have more talent would agree. but i think the panthers have the worst coach in the nfl for sure bills at chiefs Woo! this is a good one Bills,
1: minus one and a half on the road. I'm looking at the Chiefs a little bit. Not a super strong lean, but I make the Chiefs a small favorite. Who knows, maybe this number gets pushed up even more.
0: Yeah, I would say I lean Chiefs as well. If this can somehow push out to three, I don't think it will. I mean, there is a lot of Bills love, and we already saw the Bills struggle with the Ravens on the road. I know some weather and some elements also help that, but that just showed a crack that like, this Bills team is human and them destroying the Titans and the Steelers. You're talking about the Steelers might be the one of the worst teams in the NFL. And now they're going to ostensibly play the second best team at home. And we see some of the Chiefs you know, kind of lay duds here and there. And it's not like, what are they doing? What's the play calling? Why are they being like so conservative? You'd think that this is going to be a Bucs type game plan where everything comes out.
1: Whoever wins this game is the front runner for the one seed, for sure, in the AFC. The part that's criminal about this game is how is this not a primetime game? Can we flex out Russell Wilson, please?
0: All right, Cowboys at Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Cowboys plus five and a half. How much time does Cooper Rush have left? Do you know, is this the game that Dak Prescott comes back or?
1: Do you rush Dak back? I'm not saying it's rushing I, at this point. I had heard this last week that he still couldn't grip the ball. So it was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to play this previous week. Now I did see some markets at very low limits. So it didn't really, doesn't really mean much at all. But Dak was being priced around maybe like 40% to play this coming week versus the Eagles. With that said, I don't know if you, is it worth it? It's a big game in terms of winning the division. But at this point, the Cowboys at four and one, if Dak's really close with their borderline, they're definitely fine with a four and two record before bringing Dak back, if that's how they looked at it. But yeah, there's a lot of moving parts in this game. The Eagles offensive line picked up, I think they lost three of their, one was I think already out going into the game and then they lost half their offensive line today. But yeah, if this was a fully healthy Eagles team and we were getting this versus the Cooper Rush Cowboys, me that five and a half i played that five and a half on the look ahead thinking like okay i don't think Dak's going to play and i got the worst of both ends eagles didn't look overly impressive they picked up some injuries didn't cover the spread and then you had the cowboys who looked impressive to the market and beat the rams outright as a five point dog and we're still sitting at a five and a half point spread so it validates some of the grabbing the five and a half because if we just got even i got the worst of both games and i still i'm sitting with the same number
0: how are you positioning the eagles right now because this is something that judah and i have been talking about we're not ready to buy in to the eagles hype now it doesn't mean that necessarily this is the game where they go down but cooper rush we saw was 10 of 16 for 100 yards he's just not hurting the Cowboys. Game manager, perfect game man. Cowboys defense is definitely outperforming. They're getting to the quarterback. And if the Eagles have offensive line injuries now, that could be a point of weakness where the five, they, the Cowboys could cover
1: that five of that. I think this Eagles team is reminiscent of the Ravens team of maybe two, three years ago, just in terms of, they're, they're gonna stomp on some of those teams average to below average. And you gotta account for that. So you think the Eagles are legitimately a top 5-team.
0: I would say yeah. I think the main takeaway here is going to be monitoring what those Eagles offensive line injuries look like because what the Cowboys have proven thus far on a season day basis is if you have an exploitable offensive line, they
1: will exploit it. Just to add, it looks like both Kelsey and I think another offensive lineman, they both return to the game, but they are banged up.
0: Okay. Lastly, Monday Night Football, Broncos plus six and a half at the Chargers. I think the market's gotta be really low, as low as it's been all season for sure on the Broncos. 10 days rest, coming off again a miserable game versus the Colts. Russell Wilson has not looked good. Something I talked about a lot in our off season previews about how I thought Russell Wilson was certainly not going to miraculously revert to his classic form just because maybe his fingers healed, that he had meaningfully lost his stuff. And I haven't necessarily capitalized on it because we haven't really been selling the Broncos hard. And I talked about last week where I thought Russell Wilson was still playing better than I thought he would. Because I thought he was going to be a bottom five quarterback, like just suck. That showed up Thursday. (laughs) But the Chargers are not a team to pull away and they couldn't do it again today. They haven't really been able to do it all season. I'd probably lean Broncos here, as disgusting as that
1: feels. I'd make the game more four and a half. So I would lean with the Broncos as well. I was very pro Chargers coming into the year. The injuries have really piled, like some of those were very meaningful injuries to Slater, to Bosa and Jackson, Keenan Allen, those are all very important parts to how that team runs. I'm struggling to kind of power it. Where do you have the Chargers at in the league? Or where would you say, are they a top five and more of a top 10? Oh, definitely top 10. Okay, that's the same area I have them as. And yeah, like you said, as much as we want to downgrade the Broncos, they did pick up some injuries this last week. I know they lost a couple guys for the season, I think an offensive lineman and then Darby on defense. And that's true, yeah. So, th- there's something to be said there, but yeah, like you said, with all the prep time and just just getting embarrassed on national television, but I, I don't know, I think there's something to be said about that number, how much it's risen. I think this was a look ahead of three and a half, three maybe even, yeah, and the Chargers didn't put anything that's going to make you like pro Chargers necessarily from this past week. That's all just anti-Broncos.
0: Yeah, I don't trust Chargers covering this type of line. The heat that would be on Staley right now if the Chargers lost that Browns game. I don't know if you saw the decision that he had made late in that game. Heard about Essentially, it. Yeah, but like they're on their own 35 or 40 yard line up by two or whatever. Went for it on fourth down instead of punting it and didn't get it. But the Browns didn't take advantage and missed the field goal. So they locked out. I don't actually hate that decision. In fact, when we were talking about it as it was happening on our live betting stream, I'm like, dude, the Chargers defense is like such trash right now. And the Browns are running up and down the field. So you might as well at least try to get, and it was third and two or something like that. So like they had two chances. If you get two chances and you can't make two yards, then maybe you lose the game. So I don't hate the decision, but I know there's a lot of media definitely didn't like it. Of course, the media definitely didn't like it. But I think even some analytics folks out there who usually lean into this are also questioning that necessarily that decision, which also is like weird because then you've seen Staley this season not be as aggressive as you thought that he might be in certain situations and then overly aggressive in situations where it could go either way. So I don't know what is going on there. That gives me even extra caution betting the Chargers now, because I don't even know if there's any sound philosophy or methodology supporting some of these decisions then.
1: And it's just wishy-washy. I would be in agreement. This Broncos defense is still, as much as it's maybe lost some pieces, it still looked good. And to lay a six on them, I think they can stay within that number. To this Chargers offense, do we know Keenan Allen's gonna be back even?
0: Yeah, undecided. Because I think
1: he was supposed to be back this week, and then it's just kinda, I think he had a step
0: back as well. Right. So that would be something worth monitoring. All right. Thanks for jumping on, Corey. Wrapped up. Again, a brutal week five. Just forget about it. But again, October is tough. And do we have bias next week? It seems like a relatively short slate.
1: Well, I think there's a couple games off because of injury. Oh. The Dolphins, now that Tua and Teddy might both be out, the Dolphins Vikings gotcha. wasn't on the board. And then yeah. the Seahawks Cardinals or the yeah, Browns Patriots. Yeah, that was
0: not up there. But that's always what makes this kind of belly of the season. As you go into October, etc. The market it gets tighter in the beginning of the season. You can have a certain thesis on a team. And it takes a while for the market to adjust to that thesis. You are ahead of the curve. But that gets so much harder in week five, six, because the market catches up to it then. And the prices just get tighter. There's less opportunity, less games on the board and that's why it's so critical to start off relatively hot because you could almost expect some pullback here in in the middle of the season going through this slate here on sunday night for week six this definitely looks stronger than what week five was thanks everyone for listening i will see you a few days for the week six uh market outlook podcast thanks again for for joining Corey. we'll see you again this season yes sir